Hello, and welcome to episode two of Thaisi Books, news and views about Thaisi literature from the world over. I'm your host, Jenny Bat. Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first listen to this podcast, Thaisi includes, for our purposes here, South Asian countries like India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Nepal, Bhutan, Afghanistan, and the Maldives, and of course their globally scattered diaspora. In today's episode, in addition to the literary roundup, we've got the writer Chaya Bhuvaneshwar sharing her favorite Desi books. Stay tuned, because it's a lovely diverse selection. One of the questions I got after the first episode was about the origin of the word desi. So let's talk a bit about that. It comes from the ancient Sanskrit desh, which means country. And the first known use of the word dates back to approximately 200 BC, though some place it even further back around 500 BC. Um, and it was in a text written by the ancient sage Bharat Muni about the performing arts. The text is called Natya Shastra, meaning the science or the scriptures of the performing arts. He's considered the father of the Indian performing art forms. And he used the word in reference to uh, regional or provincial art traditions versus those more well-known at the pan-Indian or national level at the time. Today, the word is used in various languages and dialects across the Indian subcontinent to refer to the people, the cultures, and the products of the Indian subcontinent and their diaspora. There are also variations, like Swadesh, meaning my country, and Pardesh, meaning foreign country. Allow me a little digression, if you would. One of the main principles in this text, Natya Shastra, is about the essence or purpose of performance art. Uh, that's known as rasa. And, and how that's not simply entertainment, but to take viewers into another reality or world where they can become, through certain states of mind, known as pava, more intensely aware of their own consciousness and reflect on larger questions of existence or be being. Now, for those who are more familiar with classical Western literature, uh, you'll know of Aristotle's Poetics as the definitive text on dramatic theory uh, from ancient times. That's dated around 335 BC and it talks of similar things, particularly how drama and tragedy are about discovery and catharsis. Uh, but whichever text or theory you prefer, it's great that both of these discuss the aesthetics of art, whether that's literature, music, or drama, or some other form, as being more than just entertainment. And don't you agree? <laughs>
right, let's start with a few notable new books coming out this month. A few days ago, it would have been the musical maestro Ravi Shankar's 100th birthday. And some of his students, including his daughter Anushka Shankar, came together via video to perform one of his famous compositions, Sandhya Rag, which means evening music. You can find it on YouTube. Um, I'll link it here. And it's a rousing, beautiful piece of music. Oliver Krask has an official biography of Ravi Shankar out this month. It's called Indian Sun. And Ravi, of course, means sun. Krask had also worked with Shankar on his autobiography and had full access to family, friends and archives to write this book. Uh, Krask also just released a 15-track playlist on Spotify to go with the book um, with additional notes. So I'll link that in the transcript as well. There are positive glowing reviews by Bilal Qureshi at NPR and Amar Kalia at The Guardian. Deep Vellum Publishing has a lovely book out this month by Rona Jaffe Award winner Fazia Karimi. It's called Above Us the Milky Way. It's a debut novel and it's about a family fleeing war and conflict in Afghanistan to emigrate to the US. And the most fascinating book about a uh, bit about the book um, from its blurb is this. I'll just read it out. The novel structure is built around the alphabet, 26 pieces written in the first person that sketch a through line of memory for the lives of the five daughters, mother and father. Ghost stories and fairy tales are woven with old family photographs and medieval style watercolor illuminations to create an origin story of loss and remembrance. So that sounds beautiful and there are very promising reviews already from Kirkus and Forward and Publishers Weekly and more. Next, we have <coughs> a travel memoir, excuse me, from the award-winning journalist Ginny Reddy. It's called Wonderland. It's out in the UK this month, and it will be out in the US and Canada at the end of June. We don't get a lot of travel-related books from women writers of color, and this one sounds truly terrific. It's been blurbed by, among others, uh, Robert McFarlane. And um, there are aspects of the mystical and whimsical and folklore here. Uh, Reddy also explores identity and belonging through stories about her Canadian childhood and her Indian parents, um, you know, their struggles in apartheid era South Africa. And so she talks more about the book in an interview, which I'll link in the transcript. Ingrid Pessort won both the 2017 Commonwealth Short Story Prize and the 2018 BBC National Short Story Award with a beautiful story called The Sweet Sop, which you can read at the Granta magazine. That's quite a feat. She also came to writing um, as a later life career, uh, as she described in a February interview that I'm linking here. And this novel, called Love After Love, is out in the UK and will be um, coming to the US in August. The title, I believe, is from that famous Derek Walcott poem, 
if you've read it. Basalt is from Trinidad, and this book is just filled with delicious Trinidad patois and more. There are great blurbs and growing reviews of The Guardian and Publishers Weekly already, so um, looking forward. The next book is by uh, Pawan Tengra. He's a professor of American studies at Amherst College. Um, the book's called Hypereducation, and it's subtitled Why Good Schools, Good Grades, and Good Behavior Are Not Enough. Now, his most well-known book is about Indian-American motel owners called Life Behind the Lobby. But this one promises to be just as much of an eye-opener. There's a premium review at Library Journal, and hopefully there will be more. Um, this isn't just a book for parents and educators. I mean, it should be relevant for anyone who's interested in how the American education system is failing us in the broader context of racism, uh, immigration, policy making, culture, class, and more. Also, it specifically addresses the many incorrect, stereotypical assumptions about Asian Americans as high achievers or model minorities. So look out for these five books coming out this month. Next, let's look at some notable short stories, poems, and essays from uh, literary magazines and websites. And there's been quite a few good ones this week um, gone. So we have uh, Sayantani Dasgupta with a short story up at the Southern Humanities Review. And it's about friends at a party and how awkward things can get when past histories collide. We have Jerry Pinto uh, with some poems about lessons learned during the Indian lockdown over its crawl dot in. Shobha Rao has a beautiful meditative essay at Literary Hub about quiet spaces and silence during the pandemic. Rafia Zakaria has an essay at the Baffler about her twin brother, a doctor, and how they're both coping with certain health-related challenges through the pandemic. And Nimi Gorinathan has a um, an essay with a co-author, which I hope I'm pronouncing correctly. It's Asale Angel Ajani uh, at Literary Hub again, and it's about why women kill. Fascinating stuff there. So I'm sure there's a whole lot more, but these were the ones that jumped out uh, to me through my reading. Um, and I want to add just a quick note uh, before I end this segment. If you come across any notable short stories or poems or essays um, that are coming out, um, please don't hesitate to tag the uh, Daisy Books Twitter account um, and let us know. Thanks. Now let's get to some uh, literary interviews, awards, and events. Uh, Mina Kandasamy was interviewed by the lovely ladies at the Reading Women podcast about her novel, When I Hit You. It was long-listed for the Dylan Thomas Prize and short-listed for the Women's Prize in 2018. She's currently got another novel out in the UK and India. It's called Exquisite Cadavers. 
It was also long listed for the Dylan Thomas Prize, and it will be out in the US in November 2020. Next, the 2020 Hugo Awards announced their finalists, and here are the South Asian writers who made the cut. Congratulations to all of them. Shiv Ramdas and uh, his short story called uh, And Now His Lordship is Laughing over at Strange Horizons. Devi Pillai for Best Long Form Editor at Tor Books. Nivedita Sen for uh, Astounding Award for Best New Writer. And this isn't strictly a Hugo Award, um, but it was included here. And Tasha Suri also for Astounding Award for Best New Writer. There's a terrific interview with the prolific Bengali to English literary translator Arunav Sinha at a podcast I enjoy. It's called The Seen and the Unseen. The uh, interview is about the art of translation, of course. And I always learn something new from Arunavda when I listen to him. So this is worth a listen, even if you're not a translator. And there's a great list of books on the podcast page. So thanks to Amit Barma, the host, for adding that. Congratulations also to the poet, essayist, and professor Amy Nezukumatateo, and I hope I got that pronunciation right. Uh, she just won a Guggenheim Fellowship. Amy has a book of essays called World of Wonders coming out in August, and more on that soon. The 2020 Best Small Fictions anthology selections have also been announced. Some notable Desi writers with works included are Pia Ghoshroy with Pomegranate in Split Lip Magazine, Hadiya Kuma with Mortality Event in Smoke Long, Umeima Munir with Mouths of Brown Girls in Jellyfish Review, and Lavanya Vasudevan with Smoke Gets in Your Eyes at Lost Balloon. Uh, oh, and here's uh, something interesting. Um, Nikesh Shukla and Nikita Gill are, are doing these online writing clinics over at Instagram on Mondays. So head over to their handles to find out more. I'll link those in the transcript. Uh, Mira Jacob, whose latest is a graphic memoir called Good Talk, is doing an online interview on April 12th, which I'm linking here. Uh, Mega Majumdar, who's got a debut novel called A Burning, out in June, is doing an online Zoom reading with other writer friends on April 14th. And Apurva Mandavili, uh, an award-winning science journalist who writes for places like the New York Times and the Atlantic and Scientific American. She'll be doing an online reading on April 15th to support the indie bookstore Green Apple Books. And finally, talking of bookstores, if you love bookstores, you're going to love this. Akanksha Gore has a new app called Save Your Bookstore, and it lists more than 600 bookstores in 137 cities across eight countries and growing. So what people can do is they can go and check up on their local bookstores and see different ways to support them, which is pretty neat given the times that um, we're living in right now and the difficulties that bookstores are going through.
Now we get to the segment of the podcast that I'm very excited about. We've got Chaya Bhuvaneshwar, who's going to be talking to us about her favorite Desi books. And we plan to make this a um, regular feature of the podcast moving forward. So um, fingers crossed we'll get more such writers willing to come on and talk about their favorite books too. Uh, little introduction to Chaya if you don't know her. Uh, Chaya Bhuvaneshwar is a practicing physician, writer, and Pan American Award finalist for her debut short story collection, White Dancing Elephants. Her prose has appeared in Narrative Magazine, Tin House, Electric Literature, The Millions, Joyland, Large Hearted Boy, Chattahoochee Review, Michigan Quarterly Review, The All, Jellyf Jellyfish, I beg your pardon, Review, Adana, and elsewhere. Her poetry has been uh, published at venues like Cutthroat, Sidereal, Natural Bridge, Apt Magazine, Hobart, Ithaca Lit, Quiddity, and elsewhere. Her work uh, was recently selected for inclusion in the Best Small Fictions Anthology, and her writing juxtaposes Hindu epics, other myths and histories, and the survival of sexual harassment and racialized sexual violence by diverse women of color. So here's Chaya talking about her favorite Desi books and why they matter to her as a reader and a writer. Take it away, Chaya. So what a thrill, you know, that this podcast was created because I think um, the categories of um, South Asian, uh, South Asian American, South Asian diaspora fiction that I like are so diverse that it's hard to sort of ever get them all together, kind of proverbially sitting in the same room. Um, so kind of not in particular order. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to start with Michael Undachi's Anil's Ghost, um, this beautifully written, haunting, um, kind of indelible uh, look at civil war in Sri Lanka through the lens of Anil. Um, you know, this, this character, this sort of forensic um, archaeologist. And um, I think what I feel like I learn from him every time is his acceptance of the fact that none of our legacies are pure, that everything is so mixed and polyglot and um, syncretic, and he just kind of embraces all of that and doesn't strive for any sort of authenticity of any of the identities, but then that sort of makes it ring all the more true. Um, so that's a, that's a high favorite. Um, another favorite, although I feel like it will be controversial because she gets a lot of criticism, is Jhumpa Lahiri's Unaccustomed Earth. Um, I think that is her best book, although I like her in general. I'm one of the people who just like her fiction. I like the restraint. Um, I, I like how groundbreaking she has been in sort of asserting that ordinary life, kind of ordinary bourgeois, middle-class-ish, um, college-educated life, which is sort of her ordinary, um, is worthwhile as a topic of fiction and there are no elephants and there are no 
tigers and there are no myths, even though I love all those things and you can find many of those things in my book of short stories and hopefully other things I'll write. Um, I like that she didn't make that a have to and she sort of really confronted um, a white American readership with the legitimacy of ordinary South Asian American lives as the fodder for fiction. And she just kind of made them accept it through this quiet and fiercely diligent insistence on this. And I, I really do love that about her. Um, and I, I feel that she's, um, she's shown a lot of restraint as well in not entering the public fray about various objections to her success, which I also appreciate very much. She's never apologized for it, which I really like about her too. Um, the third book, admittedly, is by a dear friend, but I have to mention it, Love Songs for a Lost Continent by Anita Felicelli. I love this writer. I think she's amazing. I think she's really not um, gotten the, um, the book deals that she should have gotten by now. And I'm hoping that by mentioning her and referencing people, the uh, New York Times review, the positive New York Times book review of her debut short story collection, which was selected for, I believe, the Autumn House or another, you know, indie press prize by some amazing writers, blurbed by amazing writers. Um, I'm hoping she can come to some of the recognition she deserves. I think her work is really lovely and interesting and different and indie. And I think one of the things that we haven't seen so much of before, although um, the writer Melody Moetzi, M-O-E-Z-Z-I, also touches on this, is mental illness, bipolar disorder in South Asian diaspora communities, kind of up close. Um, I think we also saw some of that in Jade Sharma's um, beautiful book, and she's someone who died too soon, way too soon. And I'm kind of inserting those two as a bonus, you know, Melody Moetzi and Jade Sharma. Um, but Anita Felicelli's book is my number three that I'm recommending and enthusing about. Um, the, uh, the fourth book I'm going to recommend, and again, I'm sure there will be controversy about this, is Family Life by Akhil Sharma. Um, why do I love it? I think I have never seen that use of understatement and sort of superficially flat, but actually extremely layered realistic fiction, simple, but actually not at all simple. Um, I've never seen that used to depict that bleak and tragic and emotional landscape. And I, I really do think he only was able to develop that language for the book because he lived some of that experience from the inside. And I find that quite moving. I mean, even though he says he sort of broke his life on the book and there's a lot of stuff in the press about how he went through a lot of life changes writing the book and worried he wouldn't finish the book and so on. And I guess that's how part of how he sells the book. The reality is it is a very successful work of art. 
Um, and I grew up in some of the same places he describes. And I think he's really deadpan accurate. And also he's incredibly funny in a dark, mordant way. Well, that said, that's pretty much the only book of his that I really like. I think the book about the father-daughter incest has so many problems, don't even get me started. Um, but the other thing I do like about Akhil Sharma's writing and sensibility um, leads me to a tie for number five. And the tie is between English August by Upamanyu Chatterjee, which is a peon to um, social justice awakening by a weed smoking slacker um, in the 70s or 80s, kind of takes a lot of trains and muddles into a lot of tribal conflicts and, you know, rights disputes. But I just, I, I just remember that was the first time I really understood that there were ways of being um, in India itself that had absolutely no resemblance to what my immigrant parents described as proper Indians, you know, that, that there was such a diversity within diaspora as well as subcontinental community. And I could find people who were like me if I didn't conform. And I thought that was important for that book, although I didn't, I didn't think the plot was, well, I, it's a good book. Definitely read it. Um, and then the other book that I also read for the first time in India and bought in a bookshop in Delhi is The Inner Courtyard. Um, I think it's edited by a woman, Lakshmi Holstrom, I think is her name. Um, and it's really pretty amazing. It, it has English language translations of regional fiction, like one by Gayatri Chakravarti Spivak from Bengali by Maheshweta Devi. Um, it's got one of my favorite stories ever. Um, I think it's called Her Mother. Um, and it's the story about this letter being composed by a young woman's mother who's trying to give her all this advice for the U.S. and the future and all these abstract things. And then in the process of writing it, stumbles on um, unrevealed truths about her daughter and her daughter's life. And her two daughters and the husband of the one of the daughters. And it's just so good the way it portrays the sort of transformation of this mother in terms of how she thinks about and feels about what it means to take care of her daughter. It's, it's really pretty wonderful. Um, so there are a lot of gems in that book. And I think that book is a good introduction to a broad range of um, Indian women's writing as well as feminist writing. In particular, there's a woman who's writing, I love Suniti Nam Joshi. Um, she's in that book. So I, I felt like that book opened up worlds for me. When I read that book, I not only realized, wow, short stories, but also I can do anything in them um, and re refract different aspects of my experience. And so um, I give you probably more than five books, but hopefully the core five. And the honorable mention goes to No One Can Pronounce My Name by Rakesh Satyal. And I better stop talking, but you will love that book if you're looking for a comic but um, heartfelt kind of read that also is sensitive and revealing about racism.
and what it's like to experience racism in the Midwest, um, you know, by an immigrant Indian family and their other generations. And just, it's a, it's a really interesting book um, and unique. So there you have it, Jenny Butt. And of course, we all cannot wait for Jenny Butt's own book. And so please read her book. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Chaya, for that excellent list of Desi books. And um, I'll link each one of them in the transcript for those who'd like to follow up. Um, you've been listening to episode two of Desi Books, news and views about Desi literature from the world over. More soon in episode three. Tune in next weekend. And don't forget to follow on Twitter at Desi Books. Feel free to tag the account if you have requests or suggestions. And email at hellodesibooks at gmail.com. Stay healthy, keep reading, and write well.